number 5, Ephesians chapter 5. And we're just going to read a few verses, and I'll ask you to stand with me for a moment. Uh, we're going to go ahead and jump right into our study on music, continue that study. And music is a central theme in the Bible. You cannot get away from it. The, uh, the book that is at the center of the Bible, the book with the most chapters, the longest book of your Bible, is the book of Psalms, uh, which is a musical book. Uh, so when you talk about music, you can't, uh, as we, we kind of uh, touched the tip of the iceberg last Wednesday night, uh, which is you can't just say that music has no morale. There's no moral fiber to it. It's just if you like it, you like it. And if you don't, you don't. Uh, the, the, the Bible presents to us a different story. We're going to talk about that. And, and really what I hope to get through tonight is this. The, the purpose and the origin of music, uh, as lo- along with the idea that God himself is musical. All right, so the origin and purpose of music and the God of music. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. And if you are a born-again Christian, you know that you are saved. Say amen right now. Amen. And if, if that's you, do you know what you ought to... Now listen, you may not realize that you just fell into a trap. Because if you said amen, all right, I'm going to throw this at you. Uh, never, find, never get to a place in your life where you say, I don't have to prove anything to anybody because you absolutely do to God. You, you, and even to an extent, there, there, there is an, to an extent a proving with those around you because the Bible says you are an open epistle. That's like an open letter known and read of all men. People should be able to look at you and should be able to try you out and at the end of it find Jesus Christ. All right, so look at Ephesians chapter 5 and look if you would at verse uh, number 8. For ye were sometimes darkness. You're not darkness anymore. You were darkness, that's not where you are anymore, but now, that's, that's where you are now, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk. Now listen, he, God says, whether you realize it or not, I see you as being the light of this world because my son, Jesus Christ, who when he was here said, I am the light of the world, he resides inside of you. He is the, the, the uh, treasure in your earthen vessel. And so you are the light of the world. But, but he says in light of that, look what he says at the end of that verse. He says this, he says, walk, walk. Notice that, uh, walk as children of light. It's, it, just because you are something doesn't mean everybody sees that. Do you understand? All right. Now look, if you would, at verse number uh, uh, nine. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Watch this. Proving what is acceptable unto who? All right, not the preacher, not your parents, not your family, Amen. under the Lord. And, and that's going to be a verse we continue to come back to. I hope by the time that we're done with this, you have it memorized. Uh, but I, I want at the end of all of this for us to look back and go, look, Lord, whatever it is I'm listening to, it is being proven unto you. I want this to be acceptable and not just music, but man, the things I put in my mind, the things that I'm watching, the things that I'm dwelling on. Lord, I, I want this to be proven acceptable unto you. Now, let me give you this thought and we'll open up in a word of prayer. The, if you're saved, you are, now we learned this in discipleship on Sunday, for those that were here for our in-person class, you don't go to the great white throne judgment. You ought to be happy about that. Okay. All right. You're not, your sins will not be judged there. Do, do you know what judgment you go to? Judgment seat of Christ. And do you know what God's going to judge there? It's going to be the opportunities to serve him and what you did with him and why you did what you did and why you didn't do what you, what you could have done. And so when it comes to every aspect of your life, you should be going, I want to prove this, whether it's finances, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, relationship, uh, children, um, husband and wife, uh, career, uh, dedication to my church, whatever it might be, it should go back to, Lord, I want to prove this area of my life to you. And when it comes to music, it should be no different. Let's go, Lord, in prayer tonight. Father, we thank you for the opportunity. Lord, uh, thank you so much for... Uh, just hearing the testimony of, of people that you have planted all around the world, Lord, to give the gospel. And Lord, our job is no different here. Lord, we, we, would you help us, Lord, to, to understand we are missionaries in Aurora. We're missionaries in, 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 Lord, all over this area, all over the Denver metro area. Lord, north of here, south of here, wherever your people are at, God, would you help us to see it's our, Lord, privilege, not just a job. It is, it is our privilege and opportunity to take the gospel of this world. And Lord, I, I pray that you help us as we study this, this thought, Lord, study the, uh, the, the, this topic that is so central to the, the theme of the Word of God, Lord, the subject of music. Lord, would you help us to have your mind about it? Lord, not to have our prejudices or our preconceived ideas, 
Lord, uh, be the leading factor in what we do with music, but Lord, it would be you. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name for your sake. Amen. 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 Be seated if you would. Now, let, let me say this much. If you're approved of everything in the Lord, you need to kind of understand, uh, we, listen, when we talk about the Bible, why we believe the Bible, you know one of the things that we'll get into? Uh, when someone starts kind of pushing me, well, the Bible's written by man. You ever heard that before? Well, if what you mean by that is, is God, God inspired someone and they spoke, that, that person, that man, and then another man took a pen and wrote down what, what that person said, yes, God used people to give us the Bible. So yes, man wrote the Bible in that sense, but man did not come up with these words. All right, God inspired them. All right, and so w- when you go into studying the, how do I, how can I trust my Bible? Sometimes you got to go back and go, where did it come from? Does that make sense? Uh, if you don't know where something's coming from, you really don't know where it's going. Uh, there's a, an effort, I believe, in, in the educational system today to dumb down our kids where they don't understand where we came from as a nation and where Western civilization comes from. Why is it we don't slap women around? Why do we look down on that? Why do we believe you should hold the door open for a lady? Why is it, you, why is it that we teach our young men, or you ought to teach them, that if you see a young lady str- uh, 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 stranded on the side of the road and her tire's blown out, you pull over and see if you can help. Why do we do that? Because there's this thing called chivalry. Where does that come from? I can tell you this much. There are countries in the Middle East where it is not that way. Okay? So, so you've got to go back and kind of know where something comes from to understand where you're at to know where you're going. And it's no different with music. If you just kind of plop yourself into 2022 and go, well, this is just what I like, and you have no idea where it comes from, what are the roots of it, who brought music, where, did God do this or did man make music? If it's just man making music, then I guess we can just make up the rules as we go, right? I mean, it's kind of like morality as a whole. If there is no God or if God is completely uh, uh, disconnected from his creation and he leaves it up to us to decide what's right and wrong, then I guess you can be God. Because if there is no God, someone's got to decide what's right and wrong. If there is no final authority, someone's got to do that. And so when you trace this thing back, what you learn is this, is that music was not made by man. Uh, music's been around a long time, right before we were ever around. Look at Job chapter 38. I know we touched the tip of the iceberg of this last week. I'm going to go through some of it again. Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38. And, and by the way, this is midweek Bible what? Study. study. So when I look at a lot of scripture, uh, and I hope that, that it helps you understand the roots and the, the purpose of music as we open this up. Uh, Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38. And uh, look, if you would, at verse, uh, and this is the Lord speaking to Job, by the way, and I like verse three. He's like, you got a big mouth, son. You want to you wanna back it up with your, with your actions now? He says, gird up thy loins like a man. Hey, hey, big boy, put your big boy pants on. You were all about telling me what you're going to, how you're going to straighten me out and tell me how wrong I was as, as if God were speaking. And he's talking to Job. And all of a sudden, you know what Job does when he sees God? He falls flat on his face. And God has this conversation with him, and he he asks him these questions to kind of set the tone. And look what he says in verse 6. Whereupon, uh, go back, I'm sorry, go to verse 4. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understand. Let me ask you a question. Going back to Genesis, uh, was man before or after the earth? This is a simple one, I promise. (laughs) Thank you, all right? Because you guys are really quiet, and I'm like, please tell me you know this one. All right. Man was after the earth was here. All right. And, and so he's, he's asking Job, uh, where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou was understanding. And he continues to ask him these questions about when the foundations, look at verse six, when the foundations there were fastened or who laid the cornerstone thereof. He's talking about the, the uh, laying out of the universe, if you will. I don't have time to get into all of it, but look at verse seven. When the morning stars, underline that, by the way, uh, when you study the, the, the reference to stars, they're reference to two things. They're reference to uh, 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 the sons of God, born-again Christians, in the resurrection, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and they're also a reference to angelic beings. Uh, look again, verse 7, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Those are angelic beings. A cross-reference there would be Job chapter 1, verse number 6. These are angelic beings that are singing and shouting and praising God while he's creating the universe. 
So here they are singing and shouting and worshiping. Question, is man around yet? So music was, first I've got to admit this, music was not made by us, all right? Music was made by, by God, all right? It was given for the glory of God. We see that, all right? And furthermore, we understand this, not only did we not make it, but it was around before us, all right? So when you get a hold of that, then you, then you understand, okay, if I didn't make it and it was made by the Lord and he provided it for his glory, then I understand the purpose before I go real far into this study then that means this. It's not just up to me to decide what I like. Amen. Now, if you think that way, that's fine. But, but just remember, the Bible says you're bought with a price. If you're a born-again child of God, you, you've been saved. You have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And if that's the case, that means you are not your own. So you don't get to say, well, I, I like this, therefore it's what I'm going to do. Hey, let me just say something right now. There are some things that I like that are wicked. Oh, no, not you, Pastor. Yeah, my flesh. Absolutely. Absolutely. The old nature does not want what God wants. So you have to understand, when you're dealing with you, all right, there's the old man and there's the new man. The new man inside of you goes, you know what? You're singing these songs and you go, man, that's good. That's a great testimony. I like that. The old man goes, isn't there a better beat we could do this to? Come on, don't look at me like that. You know how I know? Here's how I know. Whenever someone knows the words to a song, listen, if you don't know the words to a song, I completely get it. Uh, tonight, we have some newer uh, songs that, that's totally understandable. But there are some people that will come to church, they know the words of the song, and they're kind of like this. You go to a soccer game, and you know, and you know what they'll do? Uh, they'll play a song, and you'll fill in the blank. I, I was just at a Rockies game the other day, and I don't know what the song, some 80s song and my daughter who heard it on a movie. I've never played it before. She heard it on a movie. And we're sitting there. And they, and they, they, they stopped the song. And all of a sudden, she blurts it out. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was. I can't think of it right now. Uh, that's it. That's it. Yeah. How did you know? <laughs> Amen. All right. So, so don't go to Carla. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, uh, you know, they, they, they do that. They stop the song right and you fill it in, you know. I don't want to lose your love tonight. And everybody shouts it out. And then you come to church and you're like, this is my time. And you wonder why people are like, I don't want what you got. I like it out there. At least they're excited about it. So, so think about what music is actually for. Where did it come from? Well, it was around before you were here. Uh, look at Zephaniah. If you can find Zephaniah, it's a good one. Uh, it's, it's toward the end of your Old Testament, all right? If you've gotten to Zechariah, you've gotten too far, all right? So if we're going backwards, it's Malachi, Zechariah, Zephaniah, all right? Or Haggai, excuse me, then Zephaniah. Backwards is hard, I'm sorry. <laughs> Zephaniah, Zephaniah chapter 3, and look if you would at verse number 17. Zephaniah chapter 3. In verse number 17, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Look what it says. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. Now, if you're not familiar with the passage, this is uh, referring to when the Lord comes back in the second coming. Come right through, buddy. Uh, and when he does that, not the rapture, but when he comes back and he establishes his kingdom on the earth, he restores that kingdom to Israel. Acts chapter 1, verse 7. Wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? The Lord does that. And they were looking for it right over here. They missed it by about 2,000 years, but it's coming. All right? And when he does that, he says, you know what? I'm going to joy over thee. Look what it says. With what? You know what that tells you? God sings. God's musical. God is not like toned. I don't, some of you are like, God, if you just understood, I mean, like, I like this music. The Lord's like, I made music. Yeah, right. I, I get it. Yeah. But, but what we're going to find out is that there's different components to music as we delve deeper into this. And there are different components of music, just like there are different components to life. And there are certain things that appeal to the old nature, and there are certain things that appeal to new nature. Am I right about that? Can, can, you, guys, uh, can you guys understand what I'm saying? When, 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 when your, your belly is going, I'm full, but I really like the taste of that donut, go for donut number five. 
All right? And the Holy Spirit's going, it's gluttony, don't do it. All right? You, you got the two people, you got the little, you know, little pitchfork over here. You're like, it's just one more donut, no big deal, right? And, and, and so you're like, Pastor, is this what you, yes, these are my problems. All right? I'm, four, I'm over 40 now. I can look at a donut and gain five pounds, man. I know you soccer dudes back there, you know, no, 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 no. You guys, you guys can eat like two pizzas and be fine. Guess what? You won't be that way when you get to be my age. Enjoy it right now. But, but you understand what I'm saying? There are things that appeal to you that are appealing to the old nature, and there are things that appeal to you that are appealing to the new nature in you. And you have to discern those things. We're going to talk about that, but I want you to understand the Lord is a musical being. God created music. The Lord sings. That's an amazing thought right there. Uh, look at uh, Zechariah chapter 9. You're almost there. You keep going a little bit to the right. Someone told me they had recently visited a... Uh, and, and by the way, I'm not making this comment to, for us to, to beat our chests and say we're the only ones and we're the only ones that do it right. There are a lot of good churches out there, so don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. But, but if you go to a church where for, uh, I don't know, 45 minutes... Um, there, there's commercials about, you know, where the money's going, and, and, and it's basically kind of like a rock concert, and then a guy gets up and talks to you for five minutes out of what's supposed to be the Bible, you're in the wrong place, okay? Uh, look at Zechariah chapter 9. Look, if you would, at verse uh, number, and by the way, again, this is a reference to the second advent, uh, verse 14, about the Lord coming back for Israel, and the Lord shall be seen over them, and his arrow shall go forth as the lightning, and the Lord God, watch this, the Lord God shall blow the what? That's not about the second coming, all right? That's not the, the, the trump that you hear at the rapture, 1 Corinthians 15, the last trump. This is a different thing. But it tells you the Lord's going to blow a trumpet. You know what that tells me? The Lord likes to play instruments. And the Lord likes to sing. So when you go, well, God, you just don't understand. No, the Lord is musical. God, God created music, and He Himself is musical because it was given for His glory. Now, what you have to remember is this, is that God, listen, when we're talking about, about the, the, the beings in the universe, you know what you're dealing with? You're dealing with God, you're dealing with mankind, and then you're dealing with the devil. You can't shortchange any one of those components. You have to remember that God is the one that created it for His glory, Man is involved later on. We're going to talk about that, all right? But, but there was someone else involved, all right? Now, I know I went through some of this last week. Go to Ezekiel chapter 28, Ezekiel 28. To state that, that music is amoral, or in other words, it, there's no moral quality to music is, is kind of a, it's not a biblical statement. Uh, when you're dealing with God and the devil, there's moral quality. You understand that? And so look at Ezekiel chapter 28. You may know this, you may not know this, or maybe, maybe you've heard it, you need to be reminded of it, all right? But, but music was given by God for His glory. The sons of God, the angelic beings, when He's creating, they themselves are singing. When the Lord comes back to establish His kingdom, He's going to joy over the nation of Israel with singing. He's going to blow a trumpet, so the Lord is musical, but yet to realize as well the devil is too. All right, look at Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. And, uh, you know, before I read this, let me say this. When I was a kid in the 90s, preachers would get up and talk about backward masking. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where you play something backwards and there's a hidden message. You don't have to do that anymore because the message is in your face. It's just out there, man. And, and you have to understand that a lot of what's going on in the world has been going on for a long time. Just now, no one's ashamed of it. Right? And, and so look at Ezekiel chapter 28, and, and what we're looking at here is God rebuking someone, and it looks like he's talking to a king, but he's not just talking to an earthly king. He's talking to someone that is inside that king no differently than what Jesus did when he looked at Peter and says, get thee behind me, Satan, because it was who was inside of Peter. You might remember from John 13 that the devil entered into Judas. Remember that? All right, it was at the beginning of John 13, it says the devil had put something in Judas's heart, but by the end of that chapter, it says the devil having entered into him. All right, so, so sometimes what the Lord does is he talks to a man, but when he talks to that man, he looks beyond the man, he looks at who's inside that man, and he addresses the devil in him. 
Now, that's a wild thought in and of itself, but when you read Ezekiel 28, he's, he's not just talking about a king. Look at verse 2. Son of man, saying to the prince of Tyrus, thus saith the Lord, because thine heart is lifted up, now said, I am a God, I sit in the seat of God, in the midst of the seas, so on and so forth. Uh, listen, this isn't just a man. Look at verse 3. Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. That's not a, a normal thing to say to a man. This is someone that has some advanced revelation, and unfortunately, it's not a good person. Look, if you would, at verse number 12. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say to him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. According to Genesis 3, who was in Eden, guys? Let's walk through it. God was there. Adam and Eve were there. Who else? Satan. So it ain't talking to Adam and Eve. We know that. It's God talking, so he's not talking to himself. You got one option left. All right, so here the Lord is addressing the devil, and look what he says about the devil in verse 12. He says he's full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. That's why when the Antichrist shows up, the world's going to follow him. Now, now look at verse 13. Uh, it says, Thou hast been eaten in the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, the gold. Now watch this. I would underline this. The workmanship of thy tabard. You know what a tabard is? Kind of like a, it looks like a tambourine type of thing. It's kind of like a, a, a drum on the go, right? He says, the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy what? Was prepared where? In the day that thou wast what? Mm. So whoever this is, and it looks to be the devil, when he was created, musical instruments were built into him. You know what that tells you? God made the devil, as it says in the very next verse, look at the very next verse, as the anointed cherub that covereth, talking about covering the throne of God. And when he did that, he says, you know what? Your job is to lead these sons of God in worship of me. How about that? So, so what happens to the devil? Look at Isaiah chapter 14. He got a little too comfortable with his position. And by the way, there's a moral in that story. If God ever puts you in a position, don't ever forget it's for him, not for you. Look at Isaiah chapter 14. So here we have this being that was created by God, and, and he's, the, he's called a cherub, all right? And, and what you do when you study your Bible is you learn about these cherubs that stand before the throne of God, and there's one that has the face of a man, one the face of an ox, one the face of an eagle, and there's one the face of, let's see, ox, man, eagle, I'm missing something else, uh, lion, thank you. And the one that's missing, obviously, is the serpent. So when he shows up in the garden, how does he show up? As a serpent. And, uh, and so he's the anointed cherub that covered the throne of God. That's why when you look at the, the ancient religions, sometimes they'll have this weird-looking being that looks like a man down here and a snake up here. Or a man down here, and a it's just some weird stuff like that. Where does that come from? It comes from the Bible. It comes from the devil trying to steal the glory that God was meant for him. Now, now the devil got used to that position, and he goes, you know what? I like this so much, I want it for myself. Look at Isaiah 14. Look, if you would, at verse, uh, oh, let's see here, verse number mm, 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Now, we know he fell. But before he fell, he was the anointed cherub that covered the throne. And he led worship. And had instruments built into him. That's amazing. You're going to tell me that music's not a central... Th You're going to tell me there's no moral quality to music? God makes it. Then the guy that God puts over it turns on him out of pride. You don't think he's interested in music at this point? You think he's like, oh, I'm going to leave that music stuff behind? You think that's what happened? Absolutely not. The devil cares about music because he understands the influence. Question, how do you suppose he got a third of the angels to follow him? You think maybe he was singing a song? I, I, listen, music is powerful. It can cheer you up. It can depress you. Boy, I tell you what, some music can just get you real carnal real fast. I mean, listen, and here's the thing. What does it for one person may not do it for the other. But I can tell you right now, you turn on salsa merengue, and boy, I got to go, help me, Jesus. <laughs> That's part of my culture, man. But there's some, but I'll tell you what, some of that stuff just, it, I'll, I'll put it to you this way, okay? 
there's a reason why we don't dance like that at church. Not question, why do people dance in that setting? Because the music leads you to do that. All right? And the reason that this is moving like this, okay, is not for good spiritual reasons. Okay? So, so now you don't leave. I can't believe you talked about, you know, cultural. That's my culture. Leave my culture alone, okay? I'll talk about my culture. You talk about yours. But I'm going to tell you right now, just because something's culturally in line doesn't mean it's in line with the Bible. Now, look what happens here in verse number uh, 13. Thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. This is the guy that had musical instruments built into him. And when he left his position up there, he, is not, he did not divorce himself from music. You know how I know this? Now, because, interestingly enough, that man, the first song that shows up in the Bible, it's not a glory to God song. Go to Genesis chapter 4. Let me ask you a question. Who taught man to make instruments? That's an interesting question. Now, I'm not saying instruments are bad. If you walk in here and go, Pastor said we shouldn't have instruments. We got one right there. Brastian was playing one earlier. My daughter, you know, she usually plays the violin here. So, it's not a matter of instruments being evil, but, but I'm trying to get you to think. Who cares about this? God does, and the devil does. All right, now look at Genesis chapter 4, and you know what's interesting? The first uh, recorded song in the Bible. Now, if you go as far as uh, time is concerned, the first song is in eternity past, and you just read about it uh, in Job chapter 38, where the sons of God shouted for joy, and they sang. All right, that, that is over here. That's before, cre- that's before man is created, all right? But after man is created, all right, you've got Adam and Eve in the garden, Genesis 3, they fall. And then you've got Genesis chapter 4. And you don't go that, listen, people say evolution. How can you believe in evolution? Put, put a banana out, out there on your countertop and watch it evolve. <laughs> put an avocado on your, anybody, avocados go from too hard too hard, ripe, squishy, right? Just, <laughs> I hate that about avocados, all right? Uh, stuff doesn't evolve on its own. Typically, it decomposes on its own. And man did not evolve. What you watch morally in society is the devolution. Of, you think it's safer? Ever, ever talk to the old timers that lived back in the, you know, 40s? I'm be real careful. Um, <laughs> that that, that uh, grew up in a different time period, and they'll say things like, we used to leave our front porch unlocked. You want to do that in Aurora? Some of you can't. You lock your door. You put the, you, you lock your cars. You put the little, what do you call the club? You put the oh, yeah. club on your, you put all kinds of, and they're still breaking in and taking your cars. We're not gotten, we're not, we haven't gotten better. We're getting worse. Now, now what, what's interesting is this. What, what made Western civilization what it is was the Bible. You throw it out and you're in trouble. God, God came to Adam. He goes, everything you want is right here in this garden. But the devil also came as well. And he got, and you know the story. So then a chapter later, you're dealing with Adam's offspring. Uh, look at Genesis 4. Look at verse number 17. And all the days of Mahalaleel were 895 years. And he died. You know what you find all through the, the book of Genesis? And he died. And he died. And he died. And he died. Uh, you know what's really tragic? In the beginning, God created. And by the end of Genesis, you know the last couple words of Genesis? in a coffin in Egypt. You know what that tells you? That's what man does. Man takes something that God meant for good and messes it up. That's what we do without the Lord. Now listen, at the same, at the same time, now that you're saved, the Holy Spirit's inside of you, you can take what used to be bad and you can make it good. Amen? But, but, but look at Genesis 4. Look at verse 18. And Jared lived in 160 and two years and he begat Enoch. I'm sorry, that's chapter 5. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, well it's, a, it's a great verse anyways. Uh, Chapter 4, let's go to the right chapter. Look at verse 17. And, and Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. Something was telling me it was wrong. I'm like, but it's, it's the right names. I'm getting the right names. Uh, look at uh, verse 17, uh, the right chapter, chapter 4. And he builded a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Irad, and Irad begat Mehujael, and Mehujael begat Methusael, Methusael begat Lamech. 
And Lamech took unto him two wives. Bad idea, buddy. Bad idea. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the, now some of you young guys are like, I don't see the problem. You will. <laughs> Once you have one, you'll understand why two is not a good idea. And Ada bare Jabal, look at this, he was the father of such as dwell in tents and such of, uh, such of, and of such as have cattle, and his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handle the what? And what? Okay, so he's musical. And Zillah, she also bare Tubal Cain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron, and, and the sister of Tubal Cain was Nema. And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. Ye wives of Lamech. Now look, man, I think they know you're the, they're your wives. So when you start off a conversation like this, it's going to get weird real fast. And, and, and watch what happens here. Hearken unto my speech. For I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. You know what that is? That's, that, that is uh, someone jokingly said it's the first country song in Scripture. Uh, but it's, it's all joking aside. You know what this man's doing? He's singing. And he's singing to his wives, and he's saying, let me tell you, you know what the song's about? Someone being killed. So you go from music being given to glorify God to the, to the first, in, uh, first you know, record of any kind of song being sung here, and it's a man that's connected to people that are connected to musical instruments, all right, is about someone being killed. You say, what is that? That's the devolution of music. It goes from God to the devil to rebellion to man and there it is. Now, now it doesn't mean music is bad. Music can be good. What I'm trying to show you is this. When you take God out of anything, and it's just the man on his own, it doesn't turn out the right way. Is this making sense? You know what, you know what every bad thing is? It's a good thing that was twisted. I'll be real careful. I know we got mixed crowds here. Uh, the physical relationship in marriage is a beautiful thing according to the Word of God. But the world has messed it up. And the world's made it ugly and defiled it and made it dirty. And made, you, you say, what is that? That's, that's taking something that's good and twisting it. And music is a beautiful thing given by God for His pleasure first, not yours. For His pleasure. And, and, and God goes, okay, I'm going to give you this gift. But when God is taken out of the picture and it's just man on his own, this is what you get. All right. Now, what, what I'm getting at is this, uh, I, I, and I, I want to talk about this for a little bit. You need to have discernment. You can't just go into something and, and say, I like it, therefore it's good. What is your barometer for, what you, for anything in life? The relationships you have, the friendships you maintain, the things you do with your time, how you spend your money. How, what, what's, what, how do you decide what's good? How do you prove what is acceptable under the Lord? Now, the way you should do that is according to the Word of God. You know what that, when, the, the, when you go back to God's Word and you're trying to figure out, is this right that, that, or is this wrong? How do I look at this scenario in my life? That is where you gain something called discernment. And you need that in your life. Look, if you would, at Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Uh, is this, nope, there we go. There we go. Hebrews chapter number 5. discernment. You see, what is that? Learning to discern things. I mentioned this last week, and I'll, I'll use the illustration again. Um, me putting the name Christian on something doesn't make a Christian. Right. Do, do you know that in the, in the Dark Ages, um, the Catholic Church killed people in the name of, in the name of God? All right, so, so I'm not picking on the Catholics. I, listen, if you're a Catholic, I don't, I, this is nothing about you. It's about the church in history. And if you get upset with me, it's because you don't know history. If you read history, you find this out this is true. All right? And, and, and so, look, just because I put the name Christian on it doesn't mean that it's right. Do, do you know, this is, this is a straight-up true thing. They now have churches where it's completely okay, acceptable, and out in the open for you to have open marriages. True thing, true story. It's wicked. Come on, guys, give me a break. Tell me you're at least with me on this. All right, that's not right. All right, it's ungodly, it's wicked, it's against the Word of God. So how does that happen? How does society go from knowing what is clearly right to not having any clue what's right or wrong and evil being right in your face and going, I don't see the problem with it? 
How does it happen? I'll tell you how it happens a little bit at a time. And when you take the word of God out, you have no discernment. I look at Hebrews chapter 5. You want to know what's right in your life? You need to go back to the book. You want to learn about what's right musically? Go back to what God says about it. All right, now we're just, lay, we're not even getting into good, we're not, get, we're not even close to there yet. Right now we're just laying the foundation. Look at Hebrews chapter 5. And, and I pray this is something that you want and desire in your life. Look at verse 13. For everyone that useth milk, that's the milk of the word of God, is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now that's not a slam. That just means that there's not uh, the, the depth and maturity. Look, if you got saved a month ago, you should not be expected to have the same maturity and depth spiritually as someone that's been saved for 40 years. All right? That, that's just how that works in God's economy. God's not going to hold you accountable, the, the baby month old in Christ, for what someone that's been saved for 10 years should know. But, but if, listen, if you've been saved for any amount of time, you should desire to grow beyond being a baby. Here's what blows my mind about this subject, all right, guys? You believe in one Bible. You believe in one way to, to, to heaven. You believe in one method of salvation. You believe in one method of baptism. You believe in one Lord, one faith, one doctrine, one church, all the ones. And then you come to music, and it's like, whatever. Yes, it said I. Whatever will be, will be. Listen, that's not how your life, that should not be the theme song for your funeral when you die. All right? It, it, your life should have some moral quality to it where people can go, that's right and that's wrong, and here's the line in the sand, and I do this because God said so. Because once you stop doing that, anything goes. Some of you right now will go, oh, man, I would never be like the people. We would never accept, you know, what's going on. Listen, what's going on in 2022? The Lord doesn't come back in 20 years. Most churches will see nothing wrong with it whatsoever. Not only that, some of them will embrace it. You say, how does it happen? When you take the word of God out, you become God. And you decide what's right and wrong. And you know what it is? It's the book of Judges. Every man did that which is right in his own eyes. Look what it says here in verse number 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Now, that, that beautiful baby girl of yours, all right, um, I, I, I know she's smart. I know that she's, you know, ca- very capable. But I'm pretty sure you're not giving her T-bone steak for dinner. <laughs> she's like, well, you know, little, little pieces here and there. Yeah, the bone. All right, this will not be reported to CPS. Turn the video off, all right? No one's feeding their children bones or meat here at New Heights Baptist Church. And I, for one, do not endorse it. I want to say that publicly, as this is not being put on YouTube. Um, but you understand the illustration, all right? You, you give a baby milk. But if a man's 40 years old and he's still drinking a bottle, you would think that's strange. Some 40-year-olds drink out of a different kind of bottle. I still think it's strange, but you understand what I'm talking about, all right? But you go from one bottle to the next, but you, the, the, the illustration is this, is that there should be some growth. The sign of spiritual maturity and growth is not me judging everybody else as much as is me having the ability to look at what's going on in my own life and go, is, does this line up with the Word of God or not? And you can't say that God wants you to do that with your finances and with your relationships and with this and with that. And then you come over to music, which is a central theme of the Bible, and be like, ah, just whatever. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. Let me ask you a question. You parents that have kids, do you let them get away with, ah, whatever? Your, your heavenly father wants more for you. He wants what's best for you. And you, have to, you, you should desire that as well. Go to the Old Testament with me. Go to Ezekiel chapter 44. You know what my job is? My job's, yeah, I'm convinced. Some, some pastors think it's their job to make their people, control their people. Uh, that's not my role here. My role is to present truth to you and say, what do you want to do? I can't make you do it. Man, I, the, one of the most frustrating and exhausting things in life is trying to control things you can't control. And I learned many years ago, and I, I'm going to be honest and transparent with you, there was a time in my ministry where I kind of felt like I had to you know, keep them in the, move them over here, and I can't let them do this. You've got to make your own decisions. You're adults, man. Now, I'm not the Lord in your life, but my job is at least to present to you, here's what's right, here's what's wrong. Yeah. Well, pastor, I just don't, okay. 
Well, I don't see what the... Okay. Well, I just think you believe... It. Okay, no, no problem. My job's not to make you. My job's to show you. But do you know one of the problems with Israel as a nation in the Old Testament? One of the problems came up when, it, when, it, when, it, when the real issue spiritually surfaced... At the root of it, the leadership was unwilling to show the people what was right and wrong. You know what's happened in our society? The spiritual leadership is unwilling to show the people what is right or wrong. Do you know why? Because we want to build a building. And when you tell people they're wrong, you get less dollars in the plate. <laughs> but what's right for your life? Now listen, if someone were to leave, whatever, whatever the, the subject matter is, let's talk, let's say it's about marriage. We've done series on families before. I've, I've seen some people kind of get a little squirmy, you know, during certain topics that are being discussed. And maybe this might be some of it for you. I don't know. Maybe this topic's a little touchy for some folks. But here's what I can tell you. My job is not to make you do the right thing. My job is to show you how to do it and give you the resources to follow what's right in your life for the Lord. If you don't do right with it, that's between you and God. But my job is to show you. And I'd be a terrible pastor if I just went on with the, I went along with the current of our modern Christian world, which says, choose whatever you want. You realize you shouldn't do that in any area of your life. You should be asking God, Lord, what do you want here? I mean it. If there's moral quality assigned to it, now look, if, if you are... I don't mister don't be silly. God, what blinds do I need to buy? <laughs> Lord, Lord, which ones are the right moral which one's the right decision spiritually? I don't think that's what we're talking about. But if there's moral quality attached to it, you need to be very careful. You know Christians do all the time. They just take a job because it pays the bills. They don't think about how long it's going to keep them out of church. They don't think about what it's going to do to their family. I just need a job, I need the money. Yeah, but what's it, what about down the road? Did you pray about it? Did you ask God? Did you seek it? Did you get advice? Did you get some counsel? Did you go to the Word of God? You see, that's what you need. Now, look at Ezekiel 44. Look, if you would, at verse number 23. Ezekiel 44, verse 23. Now, Jackie, I'm double-checking to make sure I'm in the right chapter. I think I'm in the right one. Look at verse 23. And they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and profane. That's my job. And cause them to what? Discern. Discern between the unclean and the clean. Now, now listen. Let me tell you something. If you read your Old Testament, you learn real fast. There's some things that God likes, and he goes, that's clean. And there's some things God's like, eh, unclean. Right. And, and, and I heard an illustration years ago where a man's looking, you know, fumbling through his, his sock drawer. He's like, babe, I can't tell if this is dirtier or if it's clean. And his wife just, without skipping a beat, she goes, honey, if it's doubtful, it's probably dirty. And when it comes to the subject, this is probably true as well. But you know what I, I want you to understand? There's clean and there's unclean. Now, you know what's amazing about this? If you do a series on prophecy about the end times, about stuff that you won't even be around for, some of you might get really excited. But then when it's stuff that's going on in your life, it's kind of like, well, uh, can we move on? Listen, I, I want you to understand, the best life you can have as a Christian is a clean life. And when it comes to the subject, you want to be clean. You know, Pilate says, Pilate says, I'm innocent. My hands are clean from the blood of this innocent man. No, they're not. You know what that man didn't do? He didn't do it God's way. If you don't do it God's way, you're not clean. Look at Genesis chapter 1. You know what you don't want? You don't want a life that's purposeless and without form. Do you know what a lot of music is like? Some of you probably never thought about this. Modern music, doesn't matter what kind it is. Have you ever noticed with a hymn, we're not like, there's, there's an end of the song, we don't like fade it out. <laughs> you ever notice that? There's a beginning and there's an end. Have you noticed a lot of modern music, Christian and otherwise, it's kind of like, you know, da 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 And it just fades out. They, the, the song doesn't end. They just get more quiet and it kind of fades away. You ever notice that? You say, what is that? That's music that is like the earth was. Look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. 
You know what it's like? It's like my life without Jesus Christ. Your life, the Bible says, only, only let it be that which becometh the gospel. In other words, your life should reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a definite message. There's a definite sense of righteousness. There's a definite decision that has to be made. The death, burial, and resurrection puts a decision in the hands of a sinner. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ makes you decide what you're going to do with Jesus Christ. Either you're going to accept him and trust his righteousness and be heaven-bound or reject him and trust your own righteousness and go to hell. That's Bible, right? And, and, and so there's a definite line that's drawn there with that message. And you know what music should do? Music should reflect that as well. Now, now look at Genesis 1, verse 2. And the earth was what? And void, and darkness was upon the face of the Your life should not be that way. And the music in your life should not be that way. You know what you ought to do? Your music should reflect the nature of God. God did not leave it that way. God said, this isn't right. I'm going to make this right. And God put the order that we see all around us in the universe that still is right now. We see that order and we go, man, what a designer, what a creator. And can I say this? The subject of music is no different. It shouldn't be without form and void. It shouldn't be just whatever. There are structures. We're going to get into this later. I'm going to close with this thought. And the thought is this. Who is the Lord? Who is the Lord? Right? We know Lord Jesus Christ is the door. Right? He's the shepherd of the sheep. John chapter 10. He's the way, the truth, and life. John 14. He's the ancient of days. Daniel chapter 7. He's the word of God. John chapter 1. He's the resurrection and the life. John chapter 11. He's the savior. Acts 4, 12. Isaiah 43, 11. You know what else he is? He is my strength. And my what? You know what's interesting about that? And I'm going to close with this thought. We're going to wrap this up for the night. In Exodus 15, it says, and we're going to look at this in more detail next week, or a week after next, rather. It says, the Lord is my strength and my song, Exodus 15. That's under the law. All right? It says the same thing in Psalm 118. That's under the writings or the Psalms. It says the same thing. It's repeated three times. In the law the writings, and the prophets. You know what that is? That's the breakdown of your Old Testament. And in, in every section, the same thing is found. Those exact words, the Lord is my strength and my song, and he's become my salvation. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. The Lord is my strength and my song. You say, what is that? God's trying to tell us something. The Lord is not just musical. The Lord is not just the God of music. He's supposed to be our song. He's supposed to be what we sing about. Is this making sense? And so the music that's in our lives should reflect that. And the Lord says, look, if you look at the breakdown of the Old Testament, I'm reminding you all along the way. According to Luke 24, this is the breakdown of God's word up until the New Testament, the law, the writings, and the prophets. And all in there, the Lord's trying to remind us, hey, I'm your strength. I'm your song. You want to sing about something? Here I am. You want, to use, you want to use music for something? Use it to glorify me. Now, you may go, well, pastor, are you trying to tell me that, that every song that I ever sing, you know, what about you know, the national anthem? That has nothing to do with God. And, well, well, we'll get into that, but the idea is this. The idea is that whatever you do in your life, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Go there real quick and we'll close. Whatever you do in your life should be to the glory of God. And look, one time someone said, pastor, do you really think it's a sin if I drink? I said, well, if you can take that Corona, if you can take that uh, Pilsner, if you can take that uh, 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 Medea, if you can take whatever that stuff is, and you can take it and you can say, Lord, I pray that you bless us in the name of Jesus Christ. Use it for your honor and glory. And Lord, I pray that whatever I do with this will help me become closer to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Go for it. And if you can't, don't. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And look at verse number 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do. That's kind of a big one, right? That's like a blank check, would you not say? <laughs> whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. So when it comes to this subject, I want you to understand, listen, it goes back to God. God gave us this. It was for His pleasure and it was for His glory the devil saw that, and he wanted to steal that, and he used it to get some of the angels to follow him. 
And then man gets a hold of music, and the first song that he's singing about is about something that's uh, terrible and ungodly. And God goes, yeah, but let's redirect this. Let's point this in the right direction. We can use this for good, but you have to have discernment. You can't just go into it going, well, it says it's Christian. Listen, I've had this conversation with people before, and I might be getting ahead of myself, but before we get into the subject of of modern music or anything like that, I, I want you to understand God wants you to be able to enjoy what he enjoys. God does not want you miserable. You know that, right? Some people think, like, God just wants me to be miserable, and, you know, you know, just life's going to be terrible, and then once it's terrible, I know that God is with me because that's how we have to live the Christian life. That's not how it is at all. You should be the happiest people on the planet. You should be, all right? But the things that make you happier should be the things that make God happy. So when it comes to this subject, it's not just us picking what we want, but it's, it's us going, Lord, does this, does this make you happy? Look, uh, I'll close with this thought, this little illustration. I like having a fan on at night. But, uh, but the woman that thou gavest me does not. And say, what do you do? Turn the fan off and then complain for hours. Do <laughs> you, you, know, you know what the man's supposed to do? Okay, honey, if, it, if it'll make you feel better. Something like, Pastor, um, as a husband, I appreciate you moving on and clo- close, close this message right now. Um, so what, I, what I'm trying to get at is this. When you love someone, you try to figure out what they like. And you don't make it all about you. So before we get into even understanding the different components of music, rhythm, melody, harmony, how that all is supposed to go together, and how it all ministers to different parts of who we are, before we even get to all the technical stuff, let's just start with this. God, this came from you. You made it for your pleasure. And Lord, I want to use it for your glory. Amen. Let's all stand. Father, we thank you so much for your words. God, thank you for the challenges that we get. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to, to leave tonight, Lord, just with a sense of, in, in every area of our life, not just music, Lord, but every place, Lord, that, that what we have is yours. It comes from you. Lord, you gave it to us for our good, and you gave it to us for your glory. And God, I pray you'd help us, Lord, to, to exercise spiritual discernment, Lord, to, to get into this book and, and really dig into this subject, Lord. We're just, we're just, just laying the foundation right now. But God, as we go into this further, I pray you'd help us as a church, Lord, to to get a hold, Lord, of the principles behind, Lord, what godly music is and what biblical worship is. And God, would you you help our hearts to be soft? Would you help us to put our own personal defenses and prejudices down and just hear from you? Lord, we love you and thank you for the time of the word. Thank you for your people coming out tonight. Lord, thank you for the fellowship that we have one with another because of Jesus Christ. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you, Lord willing, on Sunday.